The title of the message this morning is A Prayer for the Saints of Old and for the Saints of Today. A Prayer for the Saints of Old and for the Saints of Today. And by the way, let there be no confusion in terms of a prayer for the saints of old. We are not praying for the souls of the departed, okay? Not at all. This is just a prayer that was prayed over the church at Ephesus, over those believers, and those are the saints of old, if we could speak of that, and it's still applicable today. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. I encourage you to keep it open as we are sharing this morning. Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21, reads as follows. And this is Paul speaking, writing to these believers at Ephesus. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, verse 19 on the next slide, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Doesn't that sound good? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we add our amen. We do. Now, so here is Paul writing to the Ephesians. And Paul had a way of writing where he says a lot of little phrases and subphrases and commas and adds this on. And sometimes you can read through those couple of verses of Scripture and it sounds really wonderful, but you don't always know exactly what it meant. And I'm trusting that the Lord will help me to make it just very clear in what is being focused on here today. Essentially, Paul is saying four things to summarize what he's saying. He says, I get out on my knees and pray. Now, firstly, isn't that interesting? He gets down on his knees. He didn't pray on his knees all the time, but apparently at times he did. Um, sometimes I get on my knees uh, and pray. I go to like a chair in my office and I get down and I you know, put, the, put my arms on the chair and bow my head. And sometimes I pray like that because it just feels like that's how I need to pray. How many of you ever on occasion pray on your knees? Raise a hand if that's you. Interesting, a lot of people. So he says, I get out on my knees and I pray. And essentially, this is what I pray. I pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you in the inner man. I pray for you Ephesians that Christ would dwell in your heart. I pray that you would know God's extravagant love. And then the other thing he says, I pray that you would experience the fullness of God. 
Now these things, being strengthened, Christ dwelling, the extravagant love of God, experiencing the fullness of God. I want to say to you, this is a child of God in the full experience of what God has for them. This is not B-level Christianity. This is A-level Christianity. Many of us want to settle down and say, well, it's just okay. You know, I say a prayer occasionally. I come to church here and there. But I want to tell you that there's more that you can experience where your life gets wholly, fully flooded by the very person of God, where people look at you and they say the fire of God is on that person. They look at you and they say there's something different. And God is not calling you to a mediocre life. He's calling you to a life that is full of the Spirit of God. He says, I've taken you out of darkness into the marvelous light of who I am. And so I want to encourage you, if you are in a maintenance mode in your spirit, let these words today get you out of that maintenance mode and say, thank you, God. There is more. I can experience more. You're going to take me on into greater things. Set me ablaze, Lord. Ah, set me ablaze. When somebody is on fire for God, it is attractive to other people. When people see that you're on fire for God, and these kind of scriptures are speaking about that kind of experience, where it's not half-hearted Christianity, but we are on fire for God. Can you say amen? And so these four things that he prays, uh, these are four things that he prays, and these four things will outline our four points for today. Now, We're going to get into the points in a moment, but just to say this, as we uh, look at these points of prayer, I want you to be encouraged and to realize that you can pray these prayers for yourself. You can pray them for your family. You can pray these prayers for your spouse. You can pray them for your life group members. You can pray it for your relatives. I've discovered when, when we pray for other people, oftentimes we don't know what to say. And it ends up just being, okay, Lord, please bless them. And then we think, what else? Yeah, Lord, please bless them a little more. <laughs> uh, Lord, help them. Yeah, help them and bless them and make them happy. And there's nothing wrong with praying those prayers. That is great. But don't just get stuck on bless them prayers. Because Ephesians 3 gives us wonderful aspects that we can pray into. And here's the thing. We are praying along biblical lines. We are praying scripture into being. And praying scripture prayers is so much more powerful and effective, I believe. Let me just give you a little uh, story here for a moment. Years ago, intercessors in this city, maybe let's say 20, 25 years ago, there was a way in which intercessors would pray. They would get the newspapers, see all the bad things that are happening and pray into those bad things. Oh Lord, we pray against this, we pray against that, and we, you know. But there is a better way to pray, and I'm noticing more and more intercessors in the city are praying that way. They are praying scripture into being. And so they look at situations which seem like terrible And they begin to declare the purposes of God. And I believe that praying scripture is really an effective way of praying. So these prayers were relevant for the saints at Ephesus, but they are still just as relevant for the saints today. Amen? Now, prayer number one of four prayers. Prayer number one, it's on your screen. I pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you in the inner man. 
Why don't you say that out loud with me? I pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you in the inner man. And the verse that backs that up, Ephesians 3 verse 16, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be, here it is, strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, can I ask you, is there anybody here today that could do with a little bit more strength? <laughs> anybody? Okay. Those people that didn't put up their hands, you must be angels, but welcome to earth. Nice to have you for a few moments. We can all do with being strengthened. Let me tell you, yesterday, um, up and about and busy working in my office and continuing with my preparation, but for some reason, yesterday, I felt like my batteries were really flat. You say, John, I thought you were an angel. No, I'm not an angel. <laughs> I felt my batteries were really flat, and I still had more preparation to do, and, and the past week or two had been very busy and demanding and lots of things on the go. And, and so I took this prayer, and I just prayed. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray this prayer for myself. And I believe that the Lord helped me and answered that prayer. Now, in terms of the scripture on the screen, can I ask you, did you notice the target area that God wants to strengthen? The inner man. God wants to strengthen the inner man because he knows how important it is for you to be able to be functioning well, being strengthened on the inner man. We all have an inner man. It's also called our inner self, deep within. It's called the inward man, the inner being. In Afrikaans, they speak of the inner liquor means. Gordon MacDonald, I've often read some of his books. I enjoy his books. And uh, he says that he refers to it as our private world. Very true. It is private. You see, people around about you, they know, that's, they know what's going on with your outside world, but they don't know what's going on in your inside world, not necessarily, unless you specifically tell them. And even then, you don't tell them everything. And, and so there is an element of the private world being hidden. I think of a terrible thing that happened recently. I think it was the first of this month, where a gunman, a lone gunman in Las Vegas mowed down so many people, concert goers, just out having a good time, and, and here this guy is, I don't know what was going on in his mind, must have been influenced by the very devil himself, because this, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but he mowed down 58 people, and he injured 546 other people. What a horrific act, what a terrible thing that took place. But it seems that no one really knew the intentions of his inner world. People around about him, if they've spoken to him and his brother, etc., they didn't know that this was going on because the inner world is hidden. And let me say, in your inner world, there can either be peace, the prince of peace ruling, or there can be chaos. Some of you listening to me today, you actually feel that there's a lot of chaos going down in your inner world right now at this, point, at this point in time. Sometimes even your spouse doesn't really know what's going on in your inner world. But may I ask you this question? How are you doing in your inner world today? 
How are you doing? You know, the inner world can be overrun. It can sometimes be overwhelmed by things like pressure, demands, stress, being overloaded, intensity of schedule, fear, anxiety, darkness. Sometimes you have no idea, but in sometimes someone's inner world, there's such darkness going on. Sometimes it can be overrun, your inner world, by a lack of rest. It can be overrun by insecurity. And let me say this, that all of these things sap our inner strength. But God is the one who, according to Scripture, wants to strengthen you in the inner man. He wants to restore your inner strength, and He loves to do that. There's a quote on the screen by Gordon MacDonald. It says, the inner world of the spiritual must govern the outer world of activity. In other words, the Holy Spirit should be energizing and replenishing and leading and directing matters, and what happens on the inside then flows out into the world around about you, and you are the best person you can be, because you're living from deep within where the Spirit of God resides. Paul's prayer for strength is actually quite a huge request. It's, it's a remarkable request, and let me tell you why I think it is huge. Listen to what one commentary says. Paul is asking for the saints to be spiritually strengthened. Okay, we see that. But to what extent? Not according to the narrowness of our hearts, but according to the riches of His glory. And since the Lord is infinitely rich in glory, let the saints get ready for a deluge. Why should we ask so little of so great a king? And so I want to say to you, be encouraged today. The Spirit of God is the one with might who wants to strengthen you day by day in the things that you're facing. I think of that song that we have sung at times in the past, which says, every day I look to you to be the strength of my life. You're the hope I hold on to. Be the strength of my life. So that's the first prayer. The second, third, and fourth ones will go a little quicker. Prayer number two, I pray that Christ would dwell in your heart. Please say that out loud with me. I pray that Christ would dwell in your heart. And it's found in Ephesians 3 verse 17. The first part it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So I would say the focus word here is the word dwell. Would you please say dwell? Now, something that's important to realize here is that this scripture is not necessarily speaking about Jesus being in the believer in terms of the reality, yes, that he's in, in, in every believer, but I would submit to you that this is saying This is all about Jesus being at home there. Not just like, yes, I've received the Lord into my life. But no, I've gone further. I've allowed my heart to grow in desire that the Lord would truly feel that he is at home in my heart. And that I want to be full of God, that he is present, that he is at home, that he is filling my life to the max. And so this is very important. And I just want to clarify that Jesus permanently lives in every believer's heart. But I believe, listen to this, the degree to which you and I make him feel at home can actually vary. 
Wouldn't you make Jesus feel so at home in your heart? <laughs> and he can, he can sense if there's longing. He can sense if there is desire. We need to make him feel at home. I think of my mom. Over the years, as we were growing up in my parents' home and because of the church that my dad was leading, we would oftentimes have guest speakers from all over the place and from America and so on come and visit and minister in the church. Uh, in those days, it wasn't common that the guest speakers would go to hotels like they do nowadays. They would come and live in our house. And so, you know, that meant a little bit of sacrifice for us as sons because it meant for my brother Andrew, he was booted out of his room. And it meant for little Johnny, Johnny also got booted out of his room and Peter as well. I'm asking for a bit of sympathy, but I'm getting none here today. That's okay. Just move on. Lord, I forgive him now. So... We would get booted out, and, and then there was one person, Omar Cabrera, a wonderfully used man of God from, I believe it was South America, and Omar Cabrera, he was going to come for our missions conference. This was going to be a big thing, and so in this instance, my dad got booted out of the room, because my mom, obviously my mom was also going with, all right? Let's not be confused here for a moment, so my parents vacate their room, and they clear out the cupboards. The room looked spick and span. They got new curtains and new bedding. And they were going to make this man and his wife, Omar Cabrera, feel so at home. They went to town. They really made a special effort. My mom even created this little coffee and tea station with Omar Rusks. And <laughs> the guest speaker was so amazed because his name was Omar Cabrera and he had Rusks in his name. Anyhow, so here they were. But you know what? He really felt so at home, and he even commented from the pulpit over that conference that they'd never experienced hospitality like that, and you know what? It's so lovely when we make somebody feel at home, and I believe that even in our hearts, Jesus should be made to really feel at home, and Paul, in the prayer that he is praying that Christ would dwell in your heart, he's actually praying that you and I would give God full access unrestricted access to every room, to every cupboard, to every drawer, that he would fully have access to every area of our hearts, and no area would be no-go zones for the Lord. John 14, 23 says the following, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and look at those words, make our home with him. Doesn't that sound like dwelling in your heart? Wow. Prayer number three. I pray that you would know God's extravagant love. Won't you say that aloud with me? I pray that you would know God's extravagant love. Allow me to deviate for a moment on this aspect of love and share a scripture that I love to share whenever we talk about the love of God. It's Jeremiah 31 verse 3. And it says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's your Father's heart for you today. An everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And I want to say to you folks today, you must know that Abba, Father, He loves you. Don't believe the condemnation, the lies of the devil I want to tell you, Father loves you. You must know that. 
Please tell the person next to you, Father loves you. Tell them that. He really loves you. Back to our text, it's Ephesians 3, verse 17. Uh, the second part of verse 19, it says, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, this is all about love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know, here it is, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And so this is referring to dimensions of the love of God, width, length, depth, and height. Uh, it makes me, makes me think of a a song that I learned in childhood, and maybe you know the song, The Love of Jesus is So Wonderful. Do you know that song? It's so high, you can't get over it. It's so low, you can't get under it. It's so wide, you can't get around it. Oh, wonderful love. And it is wonderful love. And I believe that these dimensions of God's love are incredible. Now, let me say that you can't put God in a box. You definitely can't. But just maybe these dimensions could represent the following, the width of God's love. Maybe that could represent the world. John 3, verse 16, for God so, so loves the world. There's a lot of width in there. The length could speak of forever. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 says that love never fails and you know what? The love of God goes on and on and on and on into all eternity. Maybe the depth could speak to the death, even the death on the cross. According to Philippians 2 verse 8, perhaps the height of the dimension of God's love could refer to heaven, where one day you and I are going. And according to 1 John 3 verse 1 and 2, we shall see him as he is. And so I want to say these dimensions of the love of God should just astound us, should make us feel, wow, what a God. And I do realize that we will never be able to truly grasp and understand the love of God with our natural minds. It's an, it's an impossibility because his love is an endless sea. It knows no ends. But we can learn more and more about his love every day. And we can grow to enjoy it and experience it each day. To know the love of God means to experience it and enjoy it. And let me just say this. Yeah, we're not going to understand with our little mental intellect the vastness of the love of God, but I want to say, nonetheless, we can experience the love of God, and you can see that this is extravagant love. I say yet again, Father loves you. Number four, prayer number four. I pray, this is Paul speaking, that you would experience the fullness of God. Please say that out loud with me. I pray that you would experience the fullness of God. Now, this is the climax of Paul's prayer. Essentially four things that have been covered. That he would strengthen you in the inner man. The other thing is that he would dwell in your heart. Also that you would know the extravagant love of God. But here he says, I pray that you would experience the fullness of God. I want to say to you that there is more to experience in the fullness of God. Don't settle for where things are at in your life. And it says in Ephesians 3 verse 19, it's on your screen, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Please say the word fullness. 
little illustration. If you dip a cup into the ocean, that cup is full of the ocean. But yet there's so much more of the ocean that cannot fill into the cup. Maybe God's love is a little bit that way. And we could never literally contain all of the fullness of God so that there's none left, but in a sense, we can move towards the goal of greater and greater fullness. And I want to say to you, it is a mystery. And yet, the Bible says, sir, ma'am, God fills you with his fullness. I love that. And I believe that I want to encourage you today to say that there's more, there's more, there's fullness. If you think you are completely full, there's more, there's more. It's an ever-growing experience. Now, the Amplified Bible puts it best. It's on your screen. Same verse in the Amplified, it says that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body, look at these words, holy, filled, and flooded with God himself. People, please let those words speak to you today. This is the heart of your God for you, that he would so fill you that you would be holy, filled and flooded with God himself. And I believe that this fullness that God is speaking about refers to having nothing missing, nothing lacking in our relationship with God. It refers to us being complete in Christ Jesus and that he utterly fills every area of our lives. Can we say, what a God? Come on a little bit louder, what a God. Amen. Now put your hands together and give God praise that he wants to fill you. Do it, Lord. Now, may I invite you to stand? Perhaps you'd like to take the hand of the person next to you. Nobody leaving except for our hospitality team because this is what I want to do. I would like to pray this same prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesians. May I pray this prayer over you? Is that okay? All right. And Paul says he gets down on his knees and he prays. And I'd like to get down on my knees. You can remain standing. As I pray these four aspects, may I encourage you to really agree from your heart. We are praying Scripture. Father, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. I get on my knees and I pray for these, your people, whom you love so much. I pray, number one, that you would strengthen them with mighty power by your spirit on the inner man. I speak strength to you. Would you just receive that right now? I speak strength, spiritual strength into the heart of every person here. I say, be made strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I pray secondly, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would dwell richly in everyone's heart, that you would feel at home in all of our hearts. 
I also pray thirdly, Lord, that each one here would know by experience the extravagant love of God because you have loved us with an everlasting love. And I pray fourthly, Lord Jesus, that everyone here would begin to encounter the fullness of God in a greater way. In other words, that they would be wholly flooded and filled with God himself. And Heavenly Father, I pray this all in agreement with your people in the matchless and mighty powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And would you agree by saying aloud, amen and amen. Let's put our hands together. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You are free to go. Have a wonderful